0: Graham Tuckett's been at the movies. Hi there, Graham.
1: Hey, Jesse. How are you? And I can vouch for that um, that biography of of Oppenheimer, the American Prometheus. It's amazing. Oh, you've read it? Um, I've I've read it about two years ago. Oh, they got the whole thing down to sort of six hundred pages, but it was like. They had 50,000 pages of interviews (laughs) and created over 25 years to do it. It's one of the greatest biographies I've ever read. And I didn't even think I was terribly interested in it. But you come away knowing like a social history of the planet over a decade. It's
0: amazing. And you're not here to uh, review Oppenheimer this week, but um, have you seen it yet?
1: Yes. Yeah. so So I did the Barbenheimer. I saw Barbie on the Wednesday night and I saw Oppenheimer first thing on the Thursday morning. So I, I, did, I knocked them both off in twenty four
0: hours. Surely the, the wrong Canada way to slam. do things, Graham. Surely you you know you have the the tequila shot that is <laughs> Oppenheimer and then suck the line wedge that is Barbie.
1: It is the philosophical debate of twenty twenty three, isn't it? What order do you see Barbie and Bob what order do you do your Barbieheimer in? Okay. Um I don't know. I think after Oppenheimer, I needed pretty much a day of just walking around very slowly, sort of yeah, scary, appreciating life on planet Earth. I think okay. I don't think I could have dealt with Barbie afterwards.
0: We have some documentaries for us this weekend. Is John <laughs> Farnham's doco "Finding the Voice" and like an uplifting story?
1: Oh, it's definitely an uplifting story. In fact, it's very mu- it's very it's a very polished and user friendly, and obviously made by people that like John Farnham a great deal. Film like there's no. There's no grit or scandal here. It barely even mentions the fact that he's had a very, uh, occasionally had a bit of a public drinking problem. Even that doesn't get a look in. It is a very um, scrubbed, clean, shiny, happy version of John Farnham's life. But at the same time, it's a really compelling life. And you come out of it thinking, what a really lovely man. And considering how long he had to wait for his actual success, just how well deserved it was. Mm. I mean, he was like a, he was Australia's answer to kind of Cliff Richard in the (laughs) 60s with them, and had a sort of a kind of a breakout hit with Sadie the Cleaning Lady in something Mm. like 1960-something, which made him a bit of a teen idol, and and, but also effectively like shackled his reputation for decades afterwards, because he was known as Johnny Farnham, like the the fresh-faced kid that sang Sadie the Cleaning Lady, and had this novelty hit. So Comes sort of the, you know, mid-late 70s when suddenly Australian rock is busting out all over the world. You had uh, ACDC, Midnight Oil, um, all, you know, all those great Australian, uh, Jimmy Barnes and Cold Chisel, like from the mid-late 70s through until the sort of very, very early 1980s. Australian rock sort of forged in the crucible of the pub circuit and then busting out great ses- great musicians, great lead vocalists, and suddenly they were they were, you know, Australian rock was the flavor of the month right through Europe and North America as well. And there was John Farnham with maybe the best voice of all of them and maybe the best mm. front man of all of them. Couldn't get a look in because he was still shackled to this oh, um, right. reputation of being a teen idol 15 yeah. years before. Nobody took Johnny Farnham seriously. But a few people knew that he was still a epic, world-class vocalist and uh, sort of began to haven't take a punt on him, people supported him made sure he got a look into the um to what the new songwriters were putting out got him to listen to the tapes to see if there's anything there he wanted to do and cobbled together like the second act in a career which of course massively took off in the mid 1980s with the I'm going to use the word iconic um song the voice yeah uh and the album that it came off called Whispering Jack and suddenly like in his I guess in his 40s by then th- late 30s 40s he um he gets this amazing second act to his career, a little, you know, John Farnham, drop the Y, suddenly becomes this global um, global pop-slash-rock star. And well-deserved as well, because, boy, he can sing.
0: And the um and the music sounds good? Look, this is my favourite thing about doc-
1: documentary. Look, between you and me and everyone listening, I can take or leave, you know pop ballads sung by men in stonewashed jeans it's not it's not my genre I won't, <laughs> I won't pretend that it is but at the same time the only time i get to hear these songs is on a you know a taxi driver's radio or a or a shop radio that yeah. i happen to walk into so to sit in the lovely um hoyt's theater in lower hut and hear them opened up properly on a real sound system uh mixed properly and with you know proper speaker separation and blasting loud i was like ah okay, now I can hear
0: what it is that people love about these things. They are beautifully produced, beautifully played. That would really suit the voice, too. It's got quite an epic sound to it.
1: Yeah, suddenly you got what it was that people were flocking to stadiums to hear. It's like, boy, A, he can sing, and he's got a band who can stop on a dime. They're amazing. So musically, I came away not a fan, but also
0: very, very impressed. Great, recommend. What about misinformation? Look,
1: um, yeah, I want to quickly whip onto a couple of the films coming, or well, especially the documentaries coming in the international film festival. Yeah, cool. I know sales are really strong this year, which is good. But there's still there's films you really, really want to see, and I've, I've picked out three New Zealand documentaries. One's called Misinformation, made by Wellington filmmaker Gwen Isaac. Um, Gwen was went to visit Susie Wiles. Um, the very, very, very early days of the pandemic, like pre-lockdown, um, and to make, you know, to work on something that might become a short documentary about what was going to be a momentous, you know, time in New, in, in New Zealand's life, but also especially in Susie Wiles' life. So she was in the house with Susie Wiles when the lockdown was announced. Um, she quickly got back to Wellington to avoid being stranded in Tamaki Makaurau and get back get back to family, and then carried on working. And over the course of the next two years, she's made this absolutely remarkable, like fly-on-the-wall document of... um Getting, uh, being as close to Susie Wiles as often as was possible yeah. as we went through, firstly, the early days of the pandemic when it was very much the team of five million all facing in one direction and very few dissenting voices and everybody quietly confident that New Zealand as a whole was doing the right thing and doing it better than almost anywhere in the world at the yeah. time. And then that sort of fragmentation that began to hit towards yeah. the end of the year, the second, second lockdown, lockdown, the yeah. rise of the disinformation and the YouTube channels and the conspiracy theories Um, Isaac was with Susie Wiles through all of that and she's come away with a document of like two, two and a half years in New Zealand's life and especially in, in, in the life of the academics and politicians who are charged with leading us through this global crisis. It's its just an absolutely remarkable fly-on-the-wall document. It's a—it's an essential piece of New Zealand's social history. It really broadened my understanding and my context for what exactly what has happened to this country in the last three years. <laughs> like, you go from January 2020 to, say, January 2023, like in, in a thousand and changed days— the place changed yeah. the the atmosphere in the country, not not just New Zealand, but the whole Western world. The whole w- Western world has become a different, more divisive, more fractured, less trusting place than it was a thousand days ago. Mm-hmm. And I think Gwen Isaac has made a documentary that in its way, it kind of does what Mer- uh, Meritamita meet with Patu when she, you know, over the course of six or 12 months made a fly on the wall documentary about the protest movement and the Springbok tour in 1981. And at the end of it, when that was edited together, you got a beautiful snapshot of the way that a country changed over, in that case, about six to 12 months. Now, what Gwen Isaac has done is put together a snapshot, you know, a a microcosm of the way this country changed over the course of, say, two and a half, three years. I think Misinformation is a really, really essential New Zealand documentary. It's screening definitely all of the major centres around Aotearoa. Um, It's getting, the, the film festival, bless them, have given this one a really wide rollout, I think they understand this is an important film. It's an important New Zealand social document as well as being a really nice biopic of Susie Wiles. It's um it's just a really powerful piece of work and I commend it and if you know, the old the old expression, if you're gonna see one New Zealand documentary this year, make it this one.
0: Great. A Mm. quick word on these other two documentaries to look out for in the film. If you're gonna see
1: two or three New Zealand documentaries this year, um, Annie Goldson's Red Mole, a romance is a beautiful snapshot of a of the famous theatre group that rose out of, well, all of New Zealand, but especially out of Wellington in the mid late 1970s, uh, decamped in New York City in the late 70s, remained there right through the 1980s, uh, the legendary, um, Alan Brunton, Sally Rodwell, and Deborah Hunt, who were the founding tripod that supported Red Mole. It's a really fast, funny, occasionally quite shocking, um, piece about you know, living a creative life, absolutely uncompromised uh, New Zealand in the 1970s, 1980s. You know, you want joy, triumph, tragedy and laugh out loud moments like Red Moeller Romance has got all of that. Really, really enjoyed it. And the other one, um, which I saw, uh, I quickly had a look at a screener last night or watched a screener last night. A film by filmmaker Robin Greenberg on uh, Wellington photographer Grant Sheehan, who is father of the composer Rian Sheehan. Um, film called Light, Ghosts and Dreams. It's a very, very fulsome look at the life of one of New Zealand's sort of most famous, if not household name photographers. He's the person that originally put together that character Cafes of New Zealand book, which seems to exist mm-hmm. in pretty much every cafe in New Zealand I've ever walked into. has got a copy of that yeah. beautiful little black and white tome. Um, Grant Sheehan has has maintained his practice over about four decades. Unlike a lot of photographers, he's jumped around between the genres. He's he's done landscapes, portrait. Uh, He's working now with AI. He's an amazingly adaptable and mutable sort of um, creative figure. Uh, just Herculean work ethic and beautiful, beautiful imagery. So Light, Ghosts and Dreams is a really nice sort of overview of a professional life being lived and a personal life being lived. And Grant Sheehan just comes across again as someone you're quite happy to you know, hang out with for a couple of hours.
0: Thank you. Good tips today, Grant. Really appreciate it.
1: You too. Thanks, Jess.